0: Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. Well, good morning. Uh, I'd like to kind of start this morning with just a quick survey. Um, How many here are are runners? I mean, like, you actually really enjoy getting up in the morning, putting on those running shoes and getting out and running around, you know? You really kind of, if you miss a morning, like, the whole rest of your day is off, that you've actually experienced, like, that... So called runners high. Any, anybody here? Quick, you're healthy. Put your hands up. Let me see. Anybody? Not very many. Well, you know, the only thing I can say for you guys is you guys are crazy. <laughs> you really, really are. Because uh, I subscribe to my wife's theory. She says the only good reason to be running is if somebody is chasing you with a machete. <laughs> I was actually uh, talking this week with someone in our, in our church. And, um, they're a runner, and they were saying, you know, there's something about it, though. You know, after you've been running for about 45 minutes, you really do experience this like runner's high. I mean, it's just incredible. And I said, like, I would ever want to run for 45 minutes straight. <laughs> yeah, it's just not worth it to me. Now, I, I will admit, I am not a runner, okay? And I'm kind of making fun, you know, I'm kidding with you. But I really, I got to say, I do admire you. Those of you who really are dedicated to that sport, um, because, you know, I don't understand you i 'll never, I'll never join you in this, but I really do admire you because there is something about that uh, regularity of something, that, that discipline. In fact, I kind of like to ask you, those of you who are runners, or, or maybe you, you meet some other, you 're a cycler or something like that, but there 's something that you do that, that it has become just almost part of your lifestyle. Um, when you started those things, when you started that activity, honestly, was it really fun? or was it more like, well, you know, I ought to do this, I really need to do this, I really need to get in shape." And you kind of started that way. And and then probably there were days like you just didn't really feel like getting up and doing it, but you did it anyway. Because you understood something. That that this is a discipline. And a discipline is something that that, that you have to do regularly. It is something that if you're going to really make anything of it, if it's really going to become something worthwhile to you, it has to be done on a regular basis. It took discipline. And because you gave yourself to that discipline, now you enjoy it. Now you enjoy it. Um, we're starting a new series um, this week start, uh, talking about um, the things that God uses to grow your faith. And it's really going to be talking about, for the next five weeks or so, spiritual disciplines. And, and, and discipline is simply this. It is, is an activity that you can engage in that will help stimulate and nurture your spiritual growth. Paul wrote about it to the Roman church. Romans 12, he said, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. The message paraphrase captures a great... uh, Let me read this to you. Take your everyday ordinary life, and performs well-formed maturity in you. He's talking about discipline. He's talking about giving yourself to something that will, in the long run, make you better. And and there's been a number of of, of surveys and and a lot of research done most recently about um, the progress of spiritual growth and how people grow spiritually. And one of the great learnings that has come out of this is that the further along someone gets in their faith, the further along they grow in their own faith, the more they take personal responsibility. And instead of just kind of showing up on a Sunday morning, let somebody lecture to you for half an hour and then walk out, sing a few songs and then walk out, um, you actually take your own initiative. You take some personal responsibility for your own maturity. And it's not earning or achieving anything. It's really about connecting with God and then learning to cooperate with what he's doing in your life. And that is really what the disciplines are all about. Now, I know, I know, especially at the beginning of summertime, you know, this is not the time to be talking about discipline because everybody here is thinking, wait a minute, it's summer, it's vacation time. Don't talk to me about something I got to do. And you have a little bit of resistance to it because you hear the word discipline and automatically you you just kind of rebel against that because discipline in your mind is, that's like doing what I'm supposed to do that I don't really want to do, but it's really more than that. If you think of it that way, it really becomes nothing more than an obligation or a duty. And then you feel all kinds of pressure to perform and and even feel guilty if you're not doing it enough. And you always kind of got in the back of your mind this question like, well, how much do I need to do? It's like, you know, I know I should read my Bible, but how many chapters do I need to read a day? Really, tell me. Just tell me how much it is. You know, how many minutes, how many hours do I need to spend in prayer? Tell me what it is. And it's kind of in the back of our mind. The question is really this. What are the minimum requirements to keep God loving me (laughs) or what are the minimum requirements to keep God from getting angry with me and I want to tell you this morning that's not what this is about and if that's at the back of your mind you know please listen this morning because it's really not about how much you can do to get God to love you because he will never love you more than he already does and it's not about avoiding his anger and his wrath because he's not going to beat you upside the head if you don't. What this really is all about is the disciplines that you can take on that will nurture your walk with God. That's really what it's all about. They are not the measurement of your spirituality or, or the proof of your spiritual maturity. Really what they are, these are the means by which you bring your life into alignment with God. That's really what they're all about. And the real better definition that I could give you of a discipline is simply this. It is doing what I may not want to do now in order that I can do what I want to do later. It's about delayed gratification. It's about giving myself to something that may not always feel comfortable. It may not always be a great desire of mine now. So that down the road, I will be able to enjoy what it is that I really want. It's like you know I sit down here on Sunday morning stand down here on Sunday mornings and I watch the band up here and I go man I wish I could play guitar like that You know I mm, you know, he's just rock. Kenny's over here and he's jumping and you know and, and I could never play I took you know I took guitar I learned guitar I got basic chord structure you know I played guitar for a while and I thought I was never going to be any good at that so I took up the bass cuz the bass was only four strings you know <laughs> Guitar was six the four strings it's got to be two strings easier right So I took and then I watched Rick up here and I go man I wish I could play bass like that I would love to be able to play guitar. I would love to be able to play keyboard. I would love to be able to play. I would love to be able to. I always wanted to be a drummer. Every kid kid in my generation grew up with the Beatles. Everybody wanted to be Ringo Starr. But here's the deal. The reason I don't play guitar like Brian or Kenny or bass like Rick or, you know, because I never put in the practice. I never disciplined myself enough to do the hard work. And I wish now that I had, because I would love to be able to play guitar like that. I would love to be able to play golf well. I really would. But a long time ago, I came to the realization, if I was going to get good at this sport, it's going to take a lot of time and a lot of money, and I didn't have either of them, so I was not going to be a golfer, you know? Because it takes Discipline. Anything that is worthwhile in doing to be able to become proficient at, to be able to become good at, to be able to really enjoy it, you got to kind of do the hard work up front. And so sometimes we think of discipline as something that is not enjoyable, it's a task and it's an obligation, it's a duty, it's it's all these other things. But really what it is is about doing the things that I may not want to do now so that I can enjoy the things that I want to do later. I think most every one of us in this room would love to be able to say, I live my everyday life in deep connection with God. But it just seems so elusive. And I go through the whole day and I come to the end of the day and I realize, you know, I didn't even give him a thought. And what I want to help you with this morning and in the next couple of weeks is how you can learn to live every day with God. And it really comes down to To discipline. Because here's the thing that I have noticed. Here's the thing that I've noticed. Even if I don't want to do it, discipline always results in progress. Discipline always results in freedom. Discipline always, even if I do it with a bad attitude, (laughs) it still results in progress. And so this morning, we're starting this series, and we're going to be talking about disciplines. And I wanted to kind of just give that, that kind of underlying that understanding from the get-go, that what we're talking about may not always be comfortable, may not always be what you want to feel like doing, but in the long run, it re- results in progress, it results in freedom. And this morning, we're going to be talking about prayer. Uh, sometimes people call it a, their quiet time or, or their devotional life. Um, The ancients called it practicing the, the discipline of solitude. But it's really just about spending time with God. And there's nothing more transformational to your mind than spending time with God. Jesus taught about it in Matthew 6. He said, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray in secret to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This, then, is how you should pray. And then He gives them this very, very famous prayer that probably all of everyone in this room knows. Our Father in heaven, Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Jesus taught his followers to pray. And in that, he's teaching us to pray. Not so that we would get good at saying prayers but that we would learn how to bring our lives before God and then learn how to live in his presence every day because that's what really is at the heart of it. And so what we're going to talk about this morning for the time that I have left is just two very straightforward, very simple, but absolutely vital observations when it comes to prayer. I'm not going to take the Lord's Prayer. I'm not going to dissect it and, you know, adoration, confession, you know, all this. I'm just going to talk about just two basic principles, and here they are. The first is this. In spending your time alone with God, it's important that you bring yourself fully present before Him. Bring your whole self before Him. Come completely before Him. Jesus said, When you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. What He is talking about here is a private discipline of prayer. It is carving time out of my schedule. It's removing all the distractions. He's not talking about these on-the-go prayers, which we do. And there's nothing wrong with that. And he's not talking about public praying. And there's nothing. There is a time for public prayer. But what he's talking about now is just between you and God. This is a quiet, carving out time. Just you and him. And you know what? Time is our most valuable asset. If you ask people, the one thing they wish they had more of besides money is time. And if you ask them to really compare the two, they would rather have time than money very often. We found this out when I was, when I was working, um, when I was part of the uh, Benicia Youth Soccer League. And, and, and in, actually the same thing in Benicia Little League. When I was coaching, when I was a part of that program, One of the things we did is we required every parent to do some volunteer work. You know, work in the canteen or do this or that. Everybody had to do that. And to make sure that people did it, they had to put like a $100 deposit. And if you did your volunteer work at the end of the season, you got your $100 back. Most people would rather spend the $100 to pay somebody else to do it than give up their time. It's one of your most precious assets. And when you carve out time, what you are saying is, God, I trust you. That as busy as my life might be and as much as I might have to do today... I am carving out this time just for you because I am believing that if I spend this time with you, the rest of my time is going to be a lot more productive. It is carving out time, and it is setting aside a place. Go into your room, close the door, pray to your Father. Now understand he, what he's talking about here because in, in, in the first century home, it was like a one-bedroom home. There wasn't pri- nobody got a private bedroom. Everybody was in the house all together, and there was kind of a raised area and a lower area. The lower area is where the animals came in at night, and the upper area is where the family was. And it was kitchen. It was, it was everything. It was kitchen, bedroom, family room, living room, everything. And if there was any one private area, there might be like a storage closet. And that's what he's talking about, getting away from all the distractions and going in where you can just be alone with God. I read this week, they actually a couple years ago did a survey about favorite rooms of the house. They asked people, they surveyed like worldwide, like thousands of people, and they asked them, what, are the, what is your favorite room of your house? Do you know what the number one answer was? Anyone want to guess? The kitchen. It was the kitchen. That's like where people congregate. That's where people get together. That's where family time is more happening than anywhere else. It's around the kitchen. Now, when they asked, you know, that was general population. When they asked men their favorite room... It was the bedroom. Anybody want to guess what the favorite room was of young mothers? The bathroom. <laughs> it's the place where I can close the door and lock everybody out and be alone by whole for a while. It's that kind of thing that Jesus talked about getting away without all of the distractions, with nothing else going on and spend your time with him. Become fully engaged, remove all of those distractions. Fully engaged, fully present with the Lord. And you know the difference. You know, you've been in conversations with people when you know they're with you and they're tracking with you and they're involved and engaged in the conversation and you know when they're distracted and they're looking around and they're not really paying attention to what you're saying. You know the difference. You know that you can be there listening but not really hearing. And and that's not a good place to be, by the way. And I learned that actually firsthand this week we had been on vacation we spent 10 days in hawaii and we were getting ready to come home and you know when you're in hawaii i I don't know about you i turn my brain off and i that's one place i can do that and so we had 10 days you know just my brain was just completely turned off and we're packing up and getting ready to go and my wife said now we still have some debate as to what she really said okay (laughs) i heard her say did you unpack your keys because see when i get you know when i get somewhere i don't want to do the whole hassle and pull them all out and put everything you know in the going through the x-ray machine and all that stuff, so I take all the metal. I pack it in my suitcase. All my keys, everything's in my suitcase, right? So I'm getting ready to come home, and she says to me, have you packed your key? Have you unpacked your keys? Now, that's what I heard. What she said, what she says she said, <laughs> was, are you make, do you make sure you've got your car keys? Because, see, my car keys are different. Different key ring than my regular keys. And I said, yeah, I got my keys, you know, and packed up and everything. Now, I paid the price later, because when we got back... And we got to the airport and we went back to the park and fly lot. And I went to get my car keys. I didn't have them. And the reason that she had asked me was she didn't bring her keys at all. So, yeah, like I'm doing this and and I've got, you know, got my cargo pants slacks on, uh, shorts on. And I'm checking every single pocket and feeling around. Nothing there. I am literally on the park and fly bus unpacking my suitcase trying to find my stinking keys and wouldn't you know they weren't just on the bottom they were on the bottom under the lining and for like 10 or 15 minutes I'm talking to the guy I'm really sorry I'm really sorry oh no problem people do this all the time yeah yeah I'm sure (laughs) it is really important when you're in a conversation to be fully engaged because you pay the price otherwise and you know you can come into a time with God and not be fully engaged. You know what that's like. I mean, honest, true confession this morning. How many here, by show of hands? How many here would honestly say sometimes in prayer, or maybe just once in your lifetime in prayer, your mind kind of wandered? Anybody? Yeah, look around. Hey, keep the hands up. Look around. Now, those of you who didn't raise your hand, you're probably saying, "What was the question?" Your mind does wander. Henry Nouwen, I love this quote. Henry Nouwen once said, one of the difficulties that I find when I pray is when I go off to pray, the thoughts jump around in my mind like monkeys on a banana tree. That's a pretty accurate description. It's easy in prayer to not be fully engaged. Now, here's some things that I have learned. One is to keep a to-do list by the side of the bed or by the side of my chair, wherever I'm at. And to simply, when something crosses my mind, write it down on the paper so I can let it go. Another thing that I have learned is often, often when I am in prayer and I have a thought that keeps coming back to mind, back to mind, back to mind, what I really begin to understand is God is prompting me to pray about this. It's a worry, it's an anxiety that I keep thinking about. He's saying, I want you to bring that to me. The idea is to be fully engaged and come before God. And when you do, bring the real you. Bring the real you. Let down your guard. Be real and authentic before God because He knows it all anyway. Jesus said, "...do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand praying in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men." Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. He says, just be honest. Just be open. Be real and authentic before God. Have you ever been in a prayer circle or a prayer meeting and somebody leads in prayer and all of a sudden the tone of their voice changes? Have you you done that? (laughs) Or they start praying in King James English. They never use thee and thou ever in their life, but when they pray, somehow you've got to pray in King James English, you know? Now, I can only say that because I have done all of those things. There is some sense that somehow we've got to be different in prayer. And you don't. You don't. Just bring the real you. For the longest time, I kept prayer journals. And I found after a period of time, I was writing my prayer journal as if somebody else was going to read this. You know, so I was very careful about what I wrote and what I didn't write in my journal. And I thought, this is ridiculous. I'm even journaling for somebody else to be heard by men, you know? <laughs> he says, just be honest and authentic before God. Without trying to impress anyone, without having trying to convince him of everything, just simply be with God. And Jesus said, this is how to pray. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, Hallowed be your name. Do you notice, by the way, how many times he said your father in his teaching on this? He said, realize who you're with. You don't have to pretend to be anything else or anyone else. You don't have to pretend to, to beg or, or cajole or somehow you know, wrangle something. Just be with your father. Be alone with him. Be real. He's not in this prayer giving them a formula. What he is doing he is giving them a sense of who you are with. So let me ask you, If you don't already, what time could you carve out? What time in your day could you carve out to be alone with God? How much time? I don't know. Because it's going to be different for each and every one of us. But carve out some time and set aside a place and just decide right now this morning, beginning tomorrow, this is what I'm going to do. Make the decision. In fact, we put inside your program a little helpful guide because if you've never done this before, here's something really, really simple. We just simply took um, the Lord's Prayer and we broke it down into six different sections, you know, just kind of phrase by phrase to give you kind of a start. And then the rest of it is just blank space to maybe write down your prayers. And if you don't journal, if you don't like writing, you don't have to do that. If journaling doesn't work for you, don't do it. But if it stimulates your thinking, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And then the question is simply this. What does it mean to you that the God of all creation wants to be with you and has called you his child? Just reflect on this truth and write a prayer in response of His love to you. And then day two. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. On earth as it is in time. What does that mean? And, and this will just maybe help you get started if you don't already do it. Use this as a guide this week. There's six pages, six sections, so you can do you know one a day and the amen can be next Sunday. All right? But, but just take that and, and decide. In fact, maybe write on that piece of paper right here, right now. This is the time. This is the place. Starting Tomorrow. I'm going to do this. See, you can do this. Sometimes we think you have to be some super saint or some spiritual celebrity or a monk or some kind of missionary or pastor to be able. Anybody can do this. This is what Jesus is teaching. Spend time alone with God. Come fully present before him. And then the second observation is simply this. Invite God then to be fully present in your everyday life. Because that's pretty much what the rest of the prayer is all about. Scott McKnight, in his book, The Jesus Creed, um, writes about um, a very famous prayer, um, from a very well-known prayer from the first century. It was called the Kaddish. And actually, versions of it are still prayed um, very often in Jewish um, celebrations and Jewish worship. Um, but he writes about it, and it's a very, very famous prayer. See if this sounds vaguely familiar to you. Magnified and sanctified be His great name. In the world He created according to His will. May he establish his kingdom during your lifetime and during your days and during the life of all the house of Israel speedily and in the near future. Amen. Does that sound vaguely familiar? That is a really well-known prayer from the first century. But Jesus takes that prayer and he changes it. He changes it. He starts with a line that this prayer does not contain. Our Father. Our Father. He personalizes it. Start with realizing who it is. And then the second thing is is he changes the verb tense. Instead of speaking about God and praying about God, it becomes an address, second person, to God. See, the whole story of the Bible can be boiled down to this. God wants to be with you. God wants to be with us. And he created us with the desire to be with him. That is the essence of the biblical story. It goes all the way back to Eden where it talks about how how God would come and walk with Adam and Eve in the cool of the evening in the garden. And that when he called the nation of Israel out of their slavery in Egypt and walked with them through the wilderness, he went before him symbolically in a pillar of fire by by night and a pillar of cloud by day to show them that he was with them. And all of the prophets are all about, you have left me. Come back to me. I want to be with you. That's what all the prophets are all about. The law was all about how to live in relationship with God. How to live a singular life in relationship with God. How to live as a community with God. And when Jesus came, John's gospel tells us that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And one of the names that was given to Jesus before He was born was Emmanuel, which means God with us. It is why He came, to reestablish a broken relationship because God wants to be with you. But He does not impose Himself on anyone. What He teaches is to connect with Him in prayer. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, the prayer is simply this. Lord, make that real. Make it true right here, right now of me. Not your kingdom far off, way away, someday, by and by, pie in the sky kind of thing. But here today, may your kingdom come. May your will be done in my life. Lord, help me with this. Be with me through this. That is the essence of this prayer that is the essence of the prayer. It is connecting with God. And the rest, of the rest of the prayer is pretty much just an invitation. God, would you be with me in this part of my life and in that part of my life and these other parts of my life? He adds three lines to this Kaddish that are not in the, in the original prayer. And this is another way that, that Scott McKnight talks about how Jesus personalizes this prayer. And he brings it down to concrete reality, to everyday terms, to the real life experiences where faith is intersects with life, with your needs and your worries and your concerns and your anxieties. Give us today. Give us today our daily bread. Lord, I am dependent on you. I have a job and I know that's where I make money and that's how I pay for my housing and that's how I buy my food. But ultimately, ultimately, there's a part of this that is beyond my control. Give me today daily bread. I am dependent on you from day to day. Now, is that not a relevant prayer in our times? Is that not relevant to everyday life? Some of you, some of you were probably praying that prayer all this week. With the economy the way it is, with job situations the way it is, Lord, give us today. Our daily bread. And then he actually went on and taught about that. He said, do not worry saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? Your heavenly father knows. He knows that you need them. So ask. Don't worry about it. Don't be anxious. Have you ever found that you could go through a whole day worrying about something without even knowing it? Ever experienced that? If you could just turn that to a prayer and instead of worrying all day, just praying, God, would you help me with this? God, would you provide for me? Because I'm not sure what's going to happen next. Give us today our daily bread. And then he talks about our relationships. Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. God, I got trouble with my relationships. I got anger issues. I got stuff I'm carrying around. I got resentment. I've got guilt. I got all this stuff. Would you help me with this? Would you forgive me and help me understand the depth of your forgiveness in my own life so that I could pass that on to somebody else? Would you teach me in this, Lord? Because he, that's what he's doing. He's not giving a formula prayer. He's saying, bring every aspect of your life before him. Your needs, your worries, your relationship issues, your struggles, your weaknesses, your temptations. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Lord, you know my weaknesses. You know my struggles. I need your strength. I need your guidance. I need your help in this. Would you please help me? See, what he's doing is he's teaching us how to invite God into the stuff of life. And when you carve out time and you set aside a place each day, it kind of attunes your mind to the fact that he really is with you. And when he answers the prayer that you realize, hey, God did something here. See, that's what spending time with him is all about. It is just bringing my life into alignment. It is reorienting, refocusing, recalibrating my mind to realize God is with me. And I bring myself fully before Him. I think the best time is at the beginning of the day, but maybe for you it's at the end of the day. I don't know. But find a time where you bring your life fully before Him and you just kind of put it all out there and then remind yourself, He's with me. He's with me. He reminds us Everything doesn't depend on you. You are not the sole provider. Trust me. And when you do that, you just become a little bit more aware that He is with you at every moment, whether you knew it or not. A couple of years ago, Washington Post um, actually did this um, kind of just an experiment to see and, and what they did was they had Joshua Bell. Now, those of you who don't know Joshua Bell, he is like one of the premier violinists in, in, the, in the world right now. He is like, you know, he performs, to get co- tickets to a, a Joshua Bell concert with a symphony or anything, you know, you're talking at least $200 on up to $800 for like orchestra seats. I mean, this is, this is like prime stuff. He is like the, one of the premier, if not the premier violinists of our time. And, and they asked him to do something. To take his, and he's got the Stradivarius violin, the most beautiful violin you know, premier violin ever made, and to go stand in the D.C. metro station and play violin with this violin case open. And they recorded it. And it's actually been on YouTube for a while. I just want you to watch just a portion of it. See what happened. Hundreds of people Walked by. (laughs) Few even stopped to listen to the music. And only one person recognized it. I saw you play at the Library of Congress. It was fantastic. Why didn't they stop? Why didn't they listen? Now, maybe violin music wasn't their thing. But I think the big answer is, it's too busy. Places to go, people to see, things to do. How much is God playing beautiful music in your life You're too busy, too wrapped up, too many things to do, too many places to go, too many people to see, and you are missing out on some of the best music that's ever been played. See, God wants to be with you. And if you would just carve out a little bit of time to spend in His presence, And it might feel awkward to start with because you've not done this ever before. You haven't done it in a long time and you don't even know where to begin. Use the handout we gave you. But just set aside some time and enjoy His presence because more than anything else, God doesn't want to just give you stuff and provide for your needs, although He does want to do that. What He wants more than anything else is to give you Himself. Would you bow your heads with me?